0: Hey, Queeros, Cammy here. Well, today on the podcast, we have a chat with Elena Regan, who is a Michelin-starred chef. Well, had a Michelin-starred restaurant. I don't know if the star follows the restaurant or the chef. But anyway, an incredibly cool and impressive chef um, known originally for some restaurants in Chicago, but who now owns the Milkweed Inn, which is like a destination restaurant. Anyway, we get into... Uh, More about it on the podcast, and I really uh, loved chatting. Also, hey, I am doing one more show live as a, well, live on the internet, as a collaboration with Dynasty Typewriter, this awesome venue here in Los Angeles. You know, throughout the pandemic, I've been able to give, um, not give, but pay um, more than $20,000 back to Venues that I'm working with or artists that are appearing on um, different events I'm doing. And that's awesome. I'm really proud of that. That's because of your donations. So I've got one more show coming up on February 13th. It is a Cami Loves You show uh, because you can be my Valentine, um, whether you're quarantined solo or with a group of people that you are now sick of, um, You're My Valentine, and Cami Loves You is on February 13th. You can get all information on my socials or at DynastyTypewriter.com. Also, I just want to send a special shout-out to all of the wonderful folks who supported Hey Queeros. So I want to say, first of all, thank you to Paula, Vividowski, Brittany Carlson, Kevin Fry, Chloe Vicker, Jennifer Hunt, Jamie, Audrey Rower, Hannah Booth, Rachel McIntyre, Fiona Ding, Danny Elcorn, Amy A., Char Lee, Courtney Jones, LaVon Sawaki, Catherine Michaels, and Brenda Esposito. That last one's my mom. I didn't realize she was a patron. <laughs> you can go to um, Patreon.com slash Hey and support the show. All of those people support the show and then they also come to these really cool hangs that Sierra and I are at. And honestly, it's kind of a beautiful thing. Um, I also just want to say if you'd like to call in to Hey Queeros, so this is the podcast that you get access to if you subscribe on Patreon, you get a little monthly call in podcast. And so to call in, you can you can just send a voice memo to heyqueros at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at our number, which is 904 878-3379. That's 9048 Query. You can leave a voicemail and ask a question um, or share something about your life and if you subscribe on Patreon at patreon.com slash you will have access to this special bonus podcast that is helping us continue to make Query through these months and months and months of the pandemic. Anyway, please enjoy today's episode, and I love you. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still on, darling. I know, I know, I
1: know it's careless.
0: I always have guests introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Elena Regan. I'm a chef and an author in Chicago. Right now I'm traveling. Um, I also have a, a B and B, like a little inn in the upper peninsula of Michigan in the middle, very far out in the middle of the woods. It's really lovely. And we're, we're planning on being there six months out of the year. And, um, yeah, I think. I think that's the most that's going on right now about who I am. So
0: where are you geographically right now?
1: Right now we're in the Perdido Key, which is um, on the Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, Just before Alabama, we were doing a little partnership with Airstream. So they lent us a... 27 foot trailer and a truck to pull it and um we're cooking and doing some of our zoom cooking classes um out of it for the next um month or so we we have it until march so what we're gonna do is um, um we just got down here after seeing some friends on the east coast and then we're gonna go along the the, as far south as we can stay um, over to California and uh, do a little bit of camping there. And then we will go back.
0: Wow. So how long have you been on the road at this point? Let's see. Wednesday made it exactly two weeks.
1: And yeah. And so we'll be we'll be on the road until uh, I think we'll probably start to leave California probably in um I don't know, around the twentieth or twenty first of February, and then go a little quicker as as we head back. But um, yeah, we were just trying to take our time in some spots, especially where it's warm. Because right now in Chicago, you you know you're from Chicago, it's very snowy and cold, and so this is really nice to be sitting in a in a sweater and have the windows open. And it's
0: very nice. Yeah, and how. First of all, what are you cooking? Where are you getting food as you're traveling <laughs> in an airstream?
1: Um, well, we were just in our, our last stop before we got here was in Savannah and I found a little co-op. So that was nice. Um, and then Anna's my wife, she's a Somalier, So we um, also went to like a fancy natural wine store and she picked up a, a few wines for herself. And um, we got groceries before that. We were in um kind of the dc maryland area and we went to a farmer's market so um just finding you know whatever seems like the the kind of places that make the most sense where there might be some like local wholesome things so yeah that's generally what we're doing that's also kind of part of the trip that we're doing for airstream is anna is putting together a list of some nice wine shops So that, um, you know, if people are out on the road, like what we're doing now, they could have some reference points if, you know, they're looking for some good wine or something, you know, same thing with some of the farmers markets and and stuff. But I I feel like that could be really uh, subjective. So um, but I'm, I'm cooking a lot of stuff outdoors over the open fire, which is really nice and um Bare Bones, which is an outdoor kind of like camping um, company, they gave us quite a few like uh, little grills and fire pits, like different things like that to like test out and cook with, which has all been a lot of fun too. I do a lot of open fire cooking at Milkweed. And so um,
0: that's been really nice to do on this trip as well. And Milkweed is your inn that's like... yeah in a relatively remote location
1: oh yeah for sure uh we definitely wouldn't be able to have a a zoom or internet call out there we're we are on a 150 acres in the uh hiawatha national forest up there and i mean until we get to the cabin which we do have like a little signal booster there it's uh, at least 30 miles without service from, you know, the closest town. So it's really, really remote. Um, lots of wild animals in wilderness, which is really lovely. Sometimes a, a little nerve wracking. Anna w- gets worried about the wolves and the bears, but um, it's, it's really beautiful. I love being there. How is
0: that business doing right now?
1: Well what we did was we um so all of our 2020 reservations we pushed to 2021 and all of our 2021 reservations we pushed to 2022 so um you know that that made it um pretty complicated to do all the rearranging because obviously there was people who couldn't make their new dates um um so then I would resell their their accommodation and refund them um uh but uh, honestly I mean everybody that I talked to um who had reservations was extremely understanding um you know because I think this, it's just so crazy, the world we're in right now, you know, and I, I would say that the majority of people are looking out for each other, you know, so I think that um, um, people were, were happy to switch, and then this year, um, we we spent a lot of time there this summer, even though we weren't going to be operating just because of its remoteness and being in the pandemic. It was nice for us to, to isolate uh, somewhere where we felt really safe because my at home in Chicago, um, my, my sister and my mother live with us. We have a two flat and they live below us. And my sister's an ICU nurse and my mother is on chemo, right? So like everybody's very uh, high risk essentially. So, that It was good we were at Milkweed because that allowed my sister to stay in my my apartment and then my mom stay downstairs by herself. So that gave them some separation. So that was nice. But we spent a lot of time up there and we're discussing, okay, like this, pretty sure this is what the world's going to look like for a while. So we can't go another season or another year without servicing people and running our business or else we we won't have one. And so um so we thought a lot about how we will social distance people and you know practice the best sanitary measures we can because obviously people are going to be staying in the same in the same place. You know, there we're all, we're going to be in a cabin together. There's plenty of outdoor space and things like that, but um and there's plenty of room for people to spread out but it does make how we will serve dinner a little bit different. Um, Generally we serve two communal meals, but you know, in this case we're going to get some different tables and chairs and little areas and set up um, like individual dining spots. So um, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a little bit scary to try to be functioning that way, but you know, we're just going to do what we can uh, wear masks and wash our hands and keep everything as clean as possible. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we don't um, get COVID.
0: <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but yeah, hopefully. I that is. <laughs> I agree. I, I, uh, I agree with you, hopefully. Yeah, and I will just tell you, like, truth be told, because I'm sure there are many people listening who are going to disagree with me, but what you're describing right now, this, like, tri- traveling around in an Airstream and... Uh, cooking outside and then also the living at the milkweed inn uh, during the pandemic are two things that on paper i wish i was that person but in reality i think would be my nightmare because of many reasons here all of them are bugs first of all every single reason is a bug i do not i do, i am i am finding out as i continue to grow older that I am, like, more of an indoors uh, guy than I ever knew. Like, I love to, you know, I move to the, I live in, like, a little mountain town right now, and um, I love being in a mountain town, and I, also, there are animals around that get around you and near you, <laughs> and yeah. bugs that do the same, um, and I'm just like a, I think I'm a city guy. I didn't know that, you know. I'm readjusting to learning things about myself, and uh, I don't know how to do everything you just named. I don't know how to do any of those things. I can't. I can't. It's the Jack London book about me. I would die immediately. (laughs) Like I'm not. I don't survive the past the first (laughs) day.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a skill set. Uh, All of it. I mean, even when we first got out to the cabin, being completely off the grid, you know, like figuring out how to use the generator and when it messes up and change the oil in it. And then we got a battery system and eventually we got solar power. But, you know, just everything. um, It's not like we can just, you know, call a plumber. So if something goes wrong, like I've been very quick at having to learn how to fix things um which is 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 you know it's it's definitely nice um and then yeah same thing with being in an rv also a skill set and a lot of like little maintenance and things that you have to figure out along the way um bugs haven't been an issue so far at least not with this um with the route we've been going because you know it's just it's it's been cold and even down oh, right, here right, now right, that we're, right. yeah, we're, so that wasn't pleasant though, being in the cold for sure in the airstream. But now that we're in a little bit warmer area, it's about 65 degrees today and it is rainy, but it still feels really good and not too buggy. But yeah, milkweed is insane with the
0: bugs. I, mean, I, it, I it can't is. even, I can be, I can be felled by a single cricket. Is what I'm saying. So it just seems (laughs) like maybe. Yeah. There's crickets.
1: There's snakes. There's everything. This year we had a bat in our room. It was two o'clock in the morning. And Anna was like, wake up. There's a bat in our room. And oh my God we got out of the room we got the dogs out of the room you know because they don't have a good rap now that coronavirus has happened or any of the, any of the things that have happened from that <laughs> right? but it's <laughs> it's not like you know um I, wa- I wasn't too worried about it, but it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't worried that we were going to get sick or diseased from it or anything because it didn't want to be in the room. And it wasn't like a vampire. It doesn't want to come and bite our necks and suck our blood. It just is like, I want to get the fuck out of here. So we stayed in the other room the next day. I went and looked for it. Um, and of course, I had to Google, what do I do if there's a bat? in my house you know um but I couldn't find it anywhere and he hasn't returned and so I don't know but yeah the wilderness can definitely uh encroach on you which is I guess part of the reason why I love it there but there's been wolves that have go through our backyard um bears in the river yeah. <laughs> um otters which are really cute playing like they have little mud slides, and you know, we find like freshwater oyster or mussel shells because they have little mussel feasts down by the river so there's a lot of exciting things that happen as far as the outdoors goes but yes um, if you ever came to visit I would say stay away from June through August but then when you know the the months may and september and october a
0: lot of the bugs go away it's not as bad i hear you i just feel like yeah it's been an interest my my buddy a couple years ago my buddy bought like a bunch of land uh like acreage you know um in the on the other side of the mountains where i now live and it is just like funny to get to know oneself better like he bought all this land and i thought like this seems like such a good idea surely i will buy the land next door and my girlfriend was just laughing at me as i was describing this i was like because he was getting you know himself all set up like not just a house but little like workshops where he had um shipping containers and things like that and i was saying to Katie like Uh, I'm pretty sure I too will do this and she was like but I think you know to start you might have to have (laughs) any knowledge of any of this like how you know and then anyway but I quickly in the in my mind I was very into homesteading immediately you know I was Mm -hmm. like I will be getting a gun and defend and it's very things (laughs) anyway things went off the rails well yeah nothing happened uh at all but but It's wild. It's wild that you're actually doing this.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up on a small 10 acre farm and, and so it. it wasn't like a working farm or anything like that. But my dad and mom were very much homesteaders, you know, like where was that? We did. That was in Northwest Indiana and, um, like a little bit, um, kind of, I guess, between Hobart and Valparaiso, I would say. Sure. Um, So yeah, it, I, I grew up that way. I mean, we had chickens and horses and lots of gardens and my mom was always canning and, you know, there was the well and the septic and all the things of wood burning fireplace to heat the house. So, um, it was, I, yeah, I just grew up around that. And I, I feel like sometimes when you, you have a certain environment, as a child and and if you're paying attention that some of it can become i guess instinctual but i love I, I love the the country um i mean i love the woods i i also though i mean I hear you. Like, I absolutely appreciate city and city life. And I mean, there's something to be said for that. Also, just being a a queer person, it's like, you know, there's not huge, like, communities of gay people out in the country very often. And um, so it can sometimes feel like, you know, you you want your community around, too. And do you miss that? Oh, definitely. But I mean... I don't know what I I miss right now the most. I'm I mean, I'm definitely an introvert. So um it's always surprising to me that when we do see other humans since this pandemic has been happening, how much I relish it because I always thought like, oh, I could go the rest of my life without seeing another person and be pretty happy, but um that's apparently it's not true.
0: <laughs> I really know what you mean. You know, I, I know that for me, something I I didn't realize was like how much the passive interaction that I have had with people for, um, you know, I started performing 20 years ago is, is the actual number. Um, and so I've just been around a lot of people sort of you know, even, and then and then obviously there's just like going to coffee shops and the normal amount of people that were around. Mm-hmm. But I also think when you work in like a job that's in the, a service industry, which I think of as stand up comedy as being in a service industry, it's I just am, I think I'm usually passively around so many people, and it's been really interesting to find out that I like that because I always I think I've been always trying to find some space from it, um, and that's because. Because I was getting so much of it, you know, Um, and not because I Mm -hmm. love isolation. Interesting, the things we find out.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, no, actually, you know, you're right. Because um, when I think about it, like, yeah, I was always at, at the restaurant or when the year before when we were at Milkweed, we were still like, Yeah. always having people around. And that was kind of, that's always been my way of, I guess, communicating because I've been a shyer person and more awkward and more self-conscious and all those things that come along with being an introvert, but, but have always expressed myself, I think in, in pretty bold ways through food and hospitality. And so when that was removed, it's yeah. I mean, I needed a lot of, isolation time when i am seeing people all the time because i need that time to like recharge but but now yeah it's it's yeah you're right it's nice to have those connections because that's there's a huge part of that that's missing now you know having the businesses open and then just in general not being able to really see people without being worried about um getting them sick or vice versa
0: So I want to just I want to circle back on something that you mentioned earlier which is that your wife is a sommelier and that is interesting mm-hmm. to me um as the like well for a couple reasons number 1 um it does feel like what a full service package <laughs> you provide as a couple right. um <laughs> is that is that how y'all met Yeah
1: she was um selling wine to my restaurant because, uh, uh, she was in the distribution side and I don't know, somehow somebody told somebody that she said I was cute. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. She looks kind of like a child. But then I found <laughs> out that, you know, she wasn't as young as I thought. And then as I talked to her more, realized she was quite smart and, and, and mature and not that I'm like smart and mature and need that or anything, but you know, she was just all the things I wasn't expecting. And, um, so I guess because I was, I was just being judgmental, but, um, anyways, she turned out to be really lovely and yeah, we got married and it's definitely a full service package. She is way more, um, extroverted than I am. So it's very nice when we, um we we round each other out very well so not only at the restaurant but also at the inn um in particular because i'll be busy cooking and preparing dinner and um or the different meals that we serve and she is able to hang out with people and talk to them and just kind of be that that great hostess that she is so um mm. and she's fantastic when it comes to matching the food with wine so that that is her thing she does a really
0: good job at it so do you all have an age gap is that what you were referencing
1: do we have what oh
0: yeah yeah she's 10 years younger than i am does that how so, how does uh, I'm, that i'm
1: 41 and
0: how does that she's 31 is that a? um how is that it um hmm how is that
1: (laughs) I think it's fine yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, I mean it's not uh honestly uh, I mean it I I don't really think about it that much I guess I did in the beginning um just because i think i had i've always dated people similar in age to me um i think the 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 biggest gap i ever had was maybe about 4 or 5 years um you know both ways like somebody was older or somebody was younger but um so yeah i think i worried about it in the beginning but um quickly got over it. The only, only thing that's hard now is like, um, for a while, we were trying to get pregnant and I I am the more likely carrier because she has arthritis and it's in her ankles. Um, and so, you know, she, she takes a biologic, which is not good for her immune system. And then sometimes she has to take pain medications, depending on the level of the, the pain, um, you know, not like serious stuff but you know like and enough where it's wouldn't be good to have a pregnant belly and all the things right so um but that has made it very difficult because I'm just getting to the point where all my eggs are pretty shrivelled I think
0: you know you and I are it's i I relate to that situation um because I'm I am also in a well it's not tenure it's I'm six years older than my partner and um also, the more if we were going to do if we were going to carry, I would be the one that would carry because of similar reasons, actually, um, because of because she has an autoimmune disease that requires like a ton of medication. And um,
1: oh, wait, I I think I remember seeing you post that on Instagram or something. Yeah, she was super um, sick
0: with COVID yeah. and and you know, has, she just has, she has a a more delicate bod. Like I just have, I didn't realize this, you know, I mean, that's the thing about ableism is like, I didn't realize how kind of sturdy uh, my bod was until (laughs) being with this person. But, you know, she's significantly (laughs) younger um, in eggs years, especially, but also in Television shows that were on in the afternoon when we came home from school; those are the two uh, <laughs> right. big ones. Um, but uh, yeah, and 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 so it's it's just an interesting thing to navigate um, that we're talking about a lot right now because my window is closing and her window is maybe doesn't exist. Um, and right. so it's just an interesting thing to think about. Um, but I really appreciate your honesty and. Not about that,
1: right. And the the weird thing is, too, is like, um, I mean, we would love to adopt, but it's really, really expensive. And I yes. feel like it's a very hard system to navigate because there is so much out there. Um, and so I, I don't know. It's like it's kind of crazy to think, like, uh, even, Well, it is also expensive to try to go to the fertility. Fertility clinic and all those kind of things. So I don't want to, you know, say that that's not also costly. Um, um, but yeah, the um, um, oh shoot, what was I saying? I don't know. It's yeah, adoption's very expensive, and we've also talked about maybe um, looking into the foster care system and. Well, I, I don't think that we're like, oh, you know, feel like we need to have um, a tiny baby or necessarily probably even better to not have a baby with either of our genes. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. We're still trying to explore what that looks like. But in the meantime... We just keep adding dogs. So right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and eventually you may have a child that grows up with the same special set of skills that you mentioned growing up around, which is like, you know, cheers. If that ever right. happens or slash you have dogs that you're training to live yeah. in the wild, which is yeah. <laughs> just wonderful. Um i wanted to ask yeah, you they're having a good life oh yeah i bet they are i like i bet they are um i wanted to ask you are you ready for this question because i actually don't know it sure how do you find out you have a michelin starred restaurant
1: oh that that's a good question i think um because i think a lot of people actually don't don't know that you know because i'll i'll be talking to somebody in iowa and they're like yeah there's this great restaurant and and it's michelin star and, and it's like michelin isn't in iowa i don't say that i just smile and nod and whatever but i i think it is a somewhat mysterious um so as far as so i have no idea who the inspectors are i think everybody in the industry In the cities where Michelin goes, are very curious about who they could be, but I do think that they do their like due diligence in staying anonymous. Um, They will say that they come in and eat alone, like that they're single diners, but I don't believe that that's true because I have seen pictures that they've posted, and um, particularly of my restaurant, like at certain tables that I could identify the table and I knew that that's never a table that we would sit a single person at. So, um, you know, I have like these little clues and ideas about maybe who, you know, could be, but I think they're pretty discreet. So, I think that that's what makes part of the prestige to it because There'll be restaurant critics for years in certain cities, and eventually you know who they all are, right? So if they come into your restaurant, you can make sure that everything that goes out to them is perfect and beautiful. But with Michelin, you have to treat every guest as if they might be Michelin, right? So um, they come in anonymously. They have their whatever makes up their grading system. And I don't know exactly how that works, but it's supposed to be based solely on the food, um, consistency, quality, and creativity, I think are like the trifecta of what they're looking at. And that determines your one, two, or three status. And, um, then when the guide is ready to come out in your city for each, uh, following year, they will let um they will set a date where they call the restaurant and let you know that you received the you know one two or three stars oh my gosh that's so, very exciting
0: did you did you pick yeah. up that call does one do you do you who picks up the phone is it so was it
1: yeah they uh <laughs> yeah I they called me so they um I don't know oh like the first year I was open um we opened in September and then the book came out in October. So there was not a chance for us to get in it, but the following year um, they had, they had like posted a photo of, uh, of being in our restaurant on Instagram because I follow them or maybe it was Twitter. I'm not sure, but you know, they had made a couple little mentions here and there. So I knew that they had, been in at some point. Um and then maybe the summer before they sent an email and was just like, if we ever we're updating our files, if we ever want to get a hold of you, what is the number to call? Um and so I gave them my phone number. And those little things that happened made me feel hopeful that we we might get a star. um but then yeah then that day then they ended up calling me. And so every year since that we have received a star, um, it's been that they've just called my same phone number, you know, to to let me know. Um, so, yeah, it's probably um, the biggest accomplishment. Um, I mean, aside from writing my, my memoir, but at least the biggest accomplishment that I have for the restaurant. Um, and I didn't set out thinking like, I'm going to go get a Michelin star, even though, um, I thought that that would be great. And it was a really beautiful accolade considering the hard and long hours that we put in. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's kind of how that happened. I, I think it's a cool system because I think it does hold people pretty accountable to, to their food and, and their business, considering that, I think multiple people come in anonymously and so it does show that you have to be consistent,
0: consistently good, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also, I mean, I just don't know anything about this system, although I I certainly know to pay attention to it. Is are there is there like a finite number of restaurants that they would put in a guide each year? Or does it not really work like that?
1: I don't think it really works like that because I know that if, for example, I think, um, well, shoot, I think now they, in California, they consider it, I don't know. I know that they just recently added in LA to California's guide because for a while it was the Bay Area. Um, well, it was originally with L.A. and the Bay Area, and then they took out L.A., and now L.A. is back in. So I think it's all of it, but like, California has lots of three-star restaurants, a nice chunk of two-star, and then lots of one-star. Um, I want to say it's probably somewhere around 60 total restaurants, if not more. New York, I think, has even more than that. But Chicago, I think, only has about 25
0: michelin star restaurants well that that is thank you for that scale that's like so helpful and interesting that
1: that means i
0: think like japan
1: has like i was just gonna say i think japan has like over 200 so yeah it really just depends on the city
0: so for chicago you know having lived there for such a long time i know that like one thing that that city really prides well, that it's just a it's a city with a lot of pride for when people stay there and do big things there, because so many people um, like choose to exit to, you know, to go to international politics or to go into the larger global entertainment industry or or, or whatnot. But like, if you stay and you succeed in Chicago, that is a real like the sense of pride is, is pretty amazing. Um, was that an, an experience? I'm just imagining also like, you know, with your story specifically, um, I'm, I'm wondering what it felt like to, sort of, to, to, to get that star and to live in that city and to feel that recognition there. Sure. I, I get you. I, I didn't, um,
1: I think I had a lot of moments of particularly when Elizabeth my restaurant was pretty young and we started to um grow with accolades and awareness and things like that. I think that there was a lot of moments where I felt like, oh wow, I, I can't I can't actually believe this is happening cuz I never thought when I was 19 and moving from Indiana to Chicago that I would end up having a restaurant which was like I always loved restaurants I, I was already working at in them from the time I was 15 Um, so I loved food It had always been around I would say pretty good food and lots of home-cooked meals and um, cooking from str- scratch and homesteading like I was saying so I think that, um, yeah, it was a little bit unbelievable at times that I actually got from Indiana to this fairly large city and then was able to open a restaurant and and make a name for myself and a business for myself. Um, And then to have some really honorable accolades was really special, too, so... Um, yeah, it was just a lot of, yeah, I think a lot of moments of like, wow, I can't believe this is actually happening. Um, so, and then, and then going from there and, and being able to, you know, expand on the business. And, um, so, uh, you know, having milkweed is my ultimate goal and, and just having that, um, because I feel like that just will make more sense for my lifestyle because, um, I think as I get a little bit older, I, I know that I don't want to be, you know, in my late forties or early fifties and still running a restaurant and managing a restaurant. And so I want things to settle down a little bit, but I actually um, started going to graduate school this year too. So in the fall, I started um, for my MFA at the Art Institute of Chicago. Oh, wonderful. Wow. Yeah. For, for writing. So yeah, I kind of don't know what like is, is, you know, what, what's next for me necessarily on my career path. And I don't, feel like okay with the restaurants I've been there done that maybe with the owning a restaurant part but um I'm excited to see how milkweed will grow even if we have to continue to stay socially distanced and wear masks all the time and do the thing that we're doing now but I'm um, I'm excited to get there this year and cook and and also just um really um yeah I, I'm mo- mostly just really grateful for the way that everything has kind of happened, but I've also been really strategic about it. None, none, There wasn't a lot of it because it was luck or, you know, I just happened to meet the right people or whatever. All, all of it was very hard work that I put in to get where I have.
0: Well, that's beautiful. And I'm so, I'm so happy that they feel that you've been able to you know achieve so much of what you wanted to achieve and by the way I am coming to the Milkweed Inn like definitely it's just that oh, yeah? I will it's just that I can't <laughs> run it you know what I mean like, like I'm just so glad I don't have to run it that's all I'm saying like thank God you know I definitely well, will come Yeah. yeah I'm just like you have thank god this it. is your and, dream yeah thank god this is your dream um honestly also,
1: it's a very um glamping it's very glamping like we we kind of take great. on the show you probably you would see some bugs for sure but not many and
0: <laughs> the room <laughs> i can't live like that no i can do it i can do it i can do it i really believe in myself i can do it <laughs> The rooms
1: are beautiful, and it's definitely on the high end of, like, the definition of glamping.
0: Yes, yes. I, don't worry. I looked up all the pictures. You know, I know all about it. <laughs> I, I see how you're cooking. It looks amazing. Um, also, you know, I want to—this I, is such an odd time. It's like 46 minutes into an hour-long interview. But I just have been curious about this, and, and I wanted to ask you, um, you know, I know that you are— open and talk about your sobriety. And I am curious about how that interacts with, um, you know, things like life, you know, in a kitchen or life in a restaurant or being married to a small sommelier. Um, because I know that my job has, um, it's just, there's, I know what it is like to have a job where alcohol is part of it, um, part right. of the job, and I'm yeah, curious you know, about that. Yeah,
1: I, I, I hear you, um, and I can only imagine, like in the entertainment industry, particularly in in comedy. Um, I mean, I, I've been to comedy shows. I've had friends who are in that industry of stand up, and yeah. There was always a lot of drinking, but also I think in and in the restaurant industry there's a lot of drinking. um, But I have always been around it, so for me when I chose to stop, I was already so used to uh, already being around it that and and I knew that my career was going to be in the food industry for the most part. So I really just learned how to live with it and navigate through it but i know that there's a lot of people who stop drinking and it's maybe not so much in their industry um or they um you know they or they haven't been around it their whole life and so have been able to really kind of cut it off you know like Mm, never have it in their house and never be around it unless maybe they're out to dinner with friends who aren't sober or whatever you know they can definitely stay far away from it but I mean, I had no, at the time when I quit drinking, I had no other choice, but I w I was a server at that time. So I had to handle bottles of liquor and make cocktails and things because I had to survive. I, I had to make money and that was what I knew. So I just, I just learned how to be with it. And, um, As far as my wife goes, she's very, uh, she's a very good drinker. Like she, she, I don't ever really see unless it's maybe like a family function. When we tend to get together with her family, they, you know, they like to have their drinks together and stuff, but, or if we were at a wedding or something, I've seen her get a little bit tipsy, but, um, you know, she has a couple glasses and that's it. And she might do it every day, but it's not, um, excessive i think if it was excessive if i had a partner that drank a lot a lot a lot that would um bother me but that would probably bother most people you know
0: so um yeah yeah it's yeah it works out well that's that's great i mean it sounds challenging and so much like everything else that you've talked about so far so um (laughs) you, you seem like a pretty resolute person um able to deal with some challenges. Yeah, I think, gosh, I I don't know, maybe
1: it's been like the eight years of being in the restaurant industry and operating a business that many times I thought was going to go down the tubes and having to adapt and think outside of the box. And, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of restaurants have been pivoting to takeout and, you know, teaching things online. And, and we have been in so many different struggling situations that I was often already doing that kind of stuff. We had ramen kits before and we had bakery boxes before. And, and I would teach classes occasionally just, um, I do like an eight week curriculum with Elizabeth and, and it was wonderful when we were able to do it in person, but, we just, Anna and I just finished a session where we did eight weeks through Zoom and it was new and different, but it was definitely a bright spot for us to touch in with with the students like, you know, once a week for a couple hours and teach them things because I'll do the food portion and then Anna does the wine portion. And we're about to do a a shortened four-week version really soon. It starts this Sunday. So, uh, we've already been doing all those kind of like little wackadoodle things, having random pop ups and stuff. And most of the time, you know, people would be like, oh, you're wow, you're so ambitious. And it's like, well, when your livelihood, when you don't know how you're going to pay the bills next because your restaurant's about to tank for whatever reason, it's like, all right, I will do all these different things. Um, and ultimately it did keep us in business even if at times it felt like a band-aid or i felt you know very uh burnt out from trying to do so many things but um yeah it's i don't know where i'm going with this it's a tough business but um yeah we've we've been making it work and um so we've already kind of gotten used to doing those pivots and and things like that you
0: know to me that just sounds like the sort of M.O. of somebody who, um, well, first of all, it sounds very Midwestern <laughs> to me. And it also sounds like the M.O. of somebody who, you know, ha- is entering an industry where, like, they don't assume um, that that they will get to, like, rest, you know? I mean, that's certainly how I have approached my um, job, where, like, in the last year, it's been a lot of small things you know it has not been there have there hasn't been the big stuff the like shiny stuff that's like getting me through it's the random small things that i know how to put together a lot because i you know come from like a a midwestern you know mentality coupled with being an outsider type of person in this job so i hear what you're saying and i i feel that way too um I have also loved talking to you, and we are about rounding the bend of when I'm going to ask you to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel like you could be who you are today. Do you have a, a queero
1: you would like to mention? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Boy George.
0: Oh, wonderful. That's the- <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that was so—the certainty. Please, please, more. Well, well, I, well, I thought about it
1: because I know that this is a, a question. And um, so that was just like, yeah, I mean, well, I, I think I go through a little section about that in my book, Burn the Place. I talk about him from when I was such a at, at a young age. And Annie Lennox, um, oh my those God, yes. were the first people I saw on TV. Or ever in my life, especially being from a small town that kind of um, were non-gender conforming. And that was amazing to me because I was a child who, when you thought about like you know heteronormativity I just I liked girls from a young age even before like you know you could think sexually or anything and so I just always thought I was a little boy and um, they were the first people I saw in life that I was like oh wow this doesn't have to be nothing has to be an exact way because I wasn't really sure when I was four years old where the heck I was going to fit in, and somehow I was already feeling odd. So, so um, yeah, the they were like the absolute bright spots of um, seeing that people could be different. Well,
0: I uh, my, I love my, that my
1: dogs just came in
0: i was just gonna ask what so, is that I, I was yeah that's i recognize in, this sound and they're like, drinking, drinking some water <laughs> they're drinking <laughs> water what size dogs do you have um george
1: how, is how large are pounds. these dogs <laughs> yes yeah yes, he's yes. he's 150 yeah and then the other one is 80 those are our two big ones <laughs> and then we have two small
0: ones that are 15 and 12 pounds oh my god that brings me so much joy because you know i have a 6 pound dog and so that i know that sound but it was just a larger version of that sound than i usually hear like it was so such a beautiful um i could i really could place it i was like that's a dog drinking but that is not a dog that is the size of <laughs> <Yeah>. my dog <laughs> No, he's a monster. (laughs) But a beautiful dog. Yeah. 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 Well, it has been so good. It has been so nice talking to you. And thank you so much um, for making time in an airstream on the road, surrounded by dogs and wives, just the one wife, really. And um, (laughs) and food. We're not Mormon yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been a real pleasure
1: all right well yeah thanks I was really happy to be here and um, excited to talk to you guys too so I really appreciate it